What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Eastern Current. We are uh, excited about today's episode. Got a, a guest on for, for the second time, and he's been flexible with my schedule, um, being kind of all over the place lately, and and uh, nice enough for him to come on. So I'm going to introduce you all to him in just a second. Just a reminder, go check out Eastern Current Fishing on Facebook. Great place to connect with other listeners, uh, ask us any questions, drop in any ideas of what y'all might want to hear on the podcast. Um, you know, we've, we've done quite a few of these now. And so anything that's fresh and new, we're always excited about. So, so definitely go over there and check that out. Check us out on Instagram, Eastern current fishing, and, uh, also go check out our Patreon page. Um, at the end of every one of these podcasts, uh, me and the guest, wherever's on here, we'll talk a little bit longer about, you know, something real in detail, or maybe another little piece of, uh, of what we had going on. And so, um, go over there and check that out. And, and also, you know, during the main guide season, I do a lot of kind of weekly updates of what I'm seeing here in our fishery and kind of how that plays over into what y'all might see, um, where you are. So definitely go check that out. Um, but yeah, today we're going to talk about, um, some great big trout, some gator trout lures slash baits with, uh, the one and only, I'm bringing them on right now, Christopher Bush. What's going on, man? What's up? What's up, buddy? How are you, man? I'm doing good. Talking about flexible schedules. Uh, we both have pretty high demand schedules right now, man, and so I appreciate it. And it's the holidays. It is. It's so really appreciate your flexibility. And honestly, man, the invite to come back uh, and then just talk, man, about trout fishing. It was a good time the first time, and it's it's amazing to think like that was a year ago. Yeah. Which felt like forever. Golly, but, uh, it really does. I know, right? Um, but on the same token, is like honestly, how much, uh, how much you've grown, uh, Eastern Current, and aside from that, like the the impact that you guys have made uh, along the East Coast with regards to conservation and kind of spreading the message uh, again, man, of taking care of a resource, right? That's what we're about, yeah. um, and it's cool to see like come full circle like a year later that um, we're here talking about it, man, and and it's kind of growing. You know, so that's good, man. I appreciate so thanks it. Again for having me on. Yeah, man, that's such an encouragement. It's cool. I'd have you on every every week if I could. I don't know if our schedules <laughs> would allow that, but but I would, man. It's it's your your wealth of knowledge, and um, you have in the podcast world the articulation in your in your explanations that I wish I had. So I get talking about something, and I, I'm like, I hope I explained that well. I listen to you explain something, I'm like, dang, that was that was right on. So get ready for that, you guys. So if y'all have not heard of Christopher Bush, Chris Bush. Um, and the speckled truth. Definitely go check out his Instagram page, their blog, their their store, and his podcast, which you can just look up on all the podcast platforms. Um, do, are you doing anything on YouTube? I can't even remember. We no, I mean, not really. Yeah. We we were uploading the podcast episodes. Gotcha. Honestly, man, the bandwidth bandwidth that we do have. So it's me, uh, Kyle Johnson, mm-hmm. Edward Crum, Keith Morrison. I'd be remiss if I didn't recognize the other guys on this on the speckled truth that kind of help keep things going. And uh, obviously we are, you know, it's it's awesome, man, that we are growing. And so we're trying to kind of employ more family members and friends yeah. uh, that can kind of work uh, to some extent free and volunteer their time to help, help just kind of share, again, our passion and, and, and love for targeting big fish and, and again, taking care of them. But um, now, nah. so, yep, anyway. Yeah, I think what I share a lot on this podcast, man, is, because I've I've caught some heat from people that are like, why are you sharing all this information? You're shortening the learning curve, and, and and my argument to that, and it goes well with what you just said, is like the more successful anglers that we've got out there, the more conservation is going to mean to them. So the more cons- conservation minded anglers we're going to have, which is you know those are the people oh. that are going to make a difference in the long term, long run. So that's kind of how I look at it. 
that that's our approach, man. Uh, frankly, is um, and, and I wrote about it on Facebook when I came back off my social media break. Is you know we dedicated so much time, energy, and effort, and with the intent when we started Speckle Truth, uh, you know, in 2013, which is crazy, but like sharing that message, the entire intent was I love these fish. Yeah. And people have heard maybe you know backstory of growing up, you know, with my dad and, and like the love we had for Louisiana Delta and just trout only um, and growing up in that environment. And so as I kind of got more into big trout fishing, that's when I really understood the energy and the effort and the evolution that I had as an angler. And then like I can see the, the, the tide flip in my own personal approach to taking care of the resource. That's when I was like, you know what, dude? The, this is a pretty special resource. We got to take yeah. care of it. And so that's when, if you can give the, the tools and techniques for somebody just to go out and accomplish, catch a big fish and then release it, I guarantee you if they do that, um, they're going to understand the value of that resource 100%. and how valuable that resource is alive versus dead. Yeah. It, and, and so if you can connect those two dots, that's where I'm at. Right? Yeah. And that's where we're going to be. And that's where you guys are at. And I think that's where Dave Flad's at with release release over 20. So we are kind of all in this together, mm -hmm. right? This is a collaborative environment where we got to be uh, at this together because people, uh, this is our resource. We got to take care of it. And the future of our resource is in our hands. Yeah. So sorry, man. No, you're I, good. I this is what gets me fired up. I'm like, why are we even going to talk about trout baits? Let's talk about <laughs> trout conservation. But, yeah, but, um, not. Well, we'll I would really love to sit down, maybe you, me, and Dave one day on a podcast yep. and talk about that. Um, but today, you guys, we're going to talk about um, Chris's favorite lures for targeting big trout. And and Chris, a lot like me, is kind of a geek when it comes to the gear. Like, I get fired up about the gear because it helps us accomplish our goal. And also, gear's just, you know, some people are just gearheads, and I'm one of those people as well. But um we're going to kind of dive into his favorite lures for targeting big trout in different conditions. And I'm going to kind of turn it over to you and let you just go through a list and I'll kind of fire some questions at you as I have them. Um, but I think you'll be able to carry it pretty well. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so from here on out, you're, it's, it's just you. <laughs> no, man, that's, that's definitely not the, the intent, man. It's again, it's collaborative. It's, it's back and forth, yeah, but yeah. you know, I would, uh, so I'm going to go see Mike McBride and Trish Whitley down in Mansfield. I'm actually leaving tomorrow. And uh, obviously, my, one of my favorite places in the world. And McBride's obviously my, my, my trout fishing mentor, yeah. huge legend down on the lower coast. And he would tell you that um, really the key is finding feeding fish. Yeah. It's not the lures. Because you can catch, he always says, man, you can catch them on a freaking big pen and a hook. But um, I, I agree to that. I mean, you got to understand where you're going and, and being there at the right time. But I am, to, like you had mentioned, a gearhead where I like understanding different techniques. And I think the subtleties in different techniques, especially in, in fished waters, uh, there's a, obviously majority of people wade fishing here. And so everybody throws a quirky fat boy. Everybody throws a soft plastic, right? But sometimes it's a little nuances in those techniques that vary that can really trigger a response from a big fish. Yeah. And that's something I've really found here on the Texas coast. And so I know, you know, Corky's King, I'm 
again, if you ask me, you know, what's your favorite big trout fishing lure, it's certainly the Corky Fat Boy, 100%. When you ask me about, you know, different trout fishing lures, that's obviously number one, just because one, the production of it personally, and then obviously seeing that through the citation data, but it's such a good bait, man. It emulates the, the profile, the presence, uh, everything here in the Texas waters you could probably want. And you could fish it. It's like the ultimate wade fishing tool because you can fish it fast, slow, you can fish it shallow, you can fish it deep. I mean, there's a myriad of different things you can work that. So that's why Corky's king. But, you know, I can certainly go through an area, work it with a Corky, and then roll right back through it and throw like a shadow wrap shad or something like that with a similar, you know, kind of bait profile. I had it up here. There it is. Um, you know, a similar yeah. bait profile, you know, really deep, you know, to some extent, like belly profile. Fish is kind of the same, you know, walk parts of the water column, one sinks, one floats, um, and then go back and keep a bite going. Or, or those fish that were there, they're seeing something different for the, maybe the first time. Uh, and then all of a sudden, man, boom, uh, you can go back and you can keep a bite going. You can trigger those responses. And those are the types of things I really look for uh, in getting the most out of your tackle. Most people go, okay, I'm going to thread a jig head through a soft plastic. Well, Man, depends on really what type of jig head profile you choose, uh, to what type of glide pattern or how it's yeah. fishing in the column, how fast it's sinking, uh, all these different things. So those little subtleties are are really what I try to dial in when targeting big fish, you know, in in, in different areas. And so, you know, I'm, I reached out to Daniel Nussbaum from Z-Man, mm-hmm. put me in touch with Brian Latimer, uh, Elite Series Pro. Uh, we're going to get have him on a podcast. Nice. Uh, specialty podcast. And so the idea, though, behind that is like, okay, it's a BASS Elite Series guy, right? But the under the correlation there is that as an inshore saltwater guy, we put less emphasis on gear and more emphasis on just like, oh, you got to go to know. Right. They are like super precise, right? I mean, from line diameter size to, you know, I mean, everything from, you know, real ratios and all these different things. And so I want to pick his brain as a as an inshore, you know, t- trophy trout because he's trying to target the biggest bass bite. I'm trying to target the biggest trout bite. I'm interested to see what type of correlations the industries or at least the approach has uh, across industries. Yeah. So anyway, that's the that's what I'm trying to kind of pull as much out, out of I can or as much as I can out of my. Uh, tackle techniques is an approach definitely so it's funny um, that you talk about the bass fishing side of things because i find myself personally diving into on youtube when i'm kind of looking at new stuff is is bass fishermen talking about different pieces of tackle uh, different rods reels because like you're saying they are way ahead of 90 percent of the saltwater world as far as pushing the limit and and trying out new stuff and 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 really figuring out those tiny little nuances that can really help so um it's cool and dude not not only that but like um, those guys are so good, right? They can punch a, you know, a, a one ounce, um, Snell knot, you know, big flipping jig, and then they can punch heavy cover and then they can go up into like the great lakes and then drop shot a big smallmouth and 30 foot, you know, just vertically <laughs> jigging it. And, and like, I personally, as an angler, I would ho- I aspire to be that diverse in my approach, right? Because now I've opened up a myriad of different ways to target a fish, right? It may not require it, but I have the confidence to pick up a jerkbait rod and throw a jerkbait and have as much confidence between the ears to catch those fish as I do a corky, yeah. right? Uh, and so that's really 
again, that's more maybe of an evolution of an angler uh, perspective. But anyway, there, there's so much to it, dude. There's so much. Yeah, there really uh, is. Actually, the freshwater side, so I'm, I'm huge on jerkbaits. Um, so really, aside from like corkies, this time of year, I'm like a big jerkbait, jerkbait fiend uh, here in the Texas coast. One, not a lot of people throw them. And so it's ideal because since a lot of people aren't necessarily throwing them from a bait profile or a bait presentation, again, with a slow ascent or a, a suspend style or like the ascent profile, all these different things, they're totally new to fish. And I've learned a lot of that watching like all those, you know, different freshwater guys, mm-hmm. you know, and, and looking at like dudes of like Japan, you know, fishing mega bass is obviously certain one, certainly one of my favorite uh, jerk baits, but like Lucky Craft, uh, again, another um, Japanese based, you know, uh, jerk bait company. And so all these different jerk baits have different, you know, again, ascent profiles and things of that nature. And so that's really been something I've really enjoyed learning the last like three years. Uh, and you can fish them in pretty shallow conditions. You can fish them in, in some fairly deep ones, but they're definitely applicable to the inshore saltwater guy from Texas to North Carolina and kind of everywhere in between, yeah. right? So Yeah, they definitely are. So what do you want to cover first, man? Well, let's just jump into, just look down at your desk and grab, let's just go through a couple of them. I, I, okay. I don't know exactly what you have lined up. So let's go through maybe some hard baits first. Because I think that might be more foreign to more anglers, you know, some different hard baits, and then we'll move into the soft plastics at the, at the end. But, um, okay. but yeah, just pick one out and, and let's talk about it. All right. So how about this? We'll to kind of keep us going. Yeah. Uh, we'll do hard baits. Uh, we'll go top to bottom. So, I like um, it. top water lures. Uh, admittedly, man, um, you know, for the for the uh, trophy trout citation data, um. Top waters have a presence really across all windows. So every every part of the different uh, every different every part of the year. So every quarter of the year, uh, top water baits across the coast have produced big trout. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to throw them a lot. I, I honestly don't throw them as much as I do anymore. Um, but one of the things that we found was actually heading products. I, man, I wish I knew it off the top of my head, but it was like it was pretty pretty like sided to where it was like 80 percent of the top water citation catches came on a head and product so this is a super spook and it's funny because this is a super spook i grew up throwing and it's actually the redfish pattern everybody knows oh, yeah. how much i love fish. but <laughs> dude growing up wade fishing a surf um in in uh louisiana we used to always target some really big bites uh, in the surf there. And so I made the shift though, because I felt like I liked a smaller profile. And so this is a mirror lure sheet off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like one, the audible presence to it. So obviously, you know, when you're talking about top waters, they have different things, right? They have profile, they have sound and they have presentation. And so I prefer a smaller top water, believe it or not. So I actually, I prefer really the, the, the mirror lure sheet dog. And the reason for that is because, um, if a fish is going to strike, it's obviously reaction strike. And so I'm just, I would start throwing a top water bait just to see a fish or any area. So I'll start basically working a flat boom. I'll get a blow up or something, or I'll get a swirl. Okay. I know fish are in the area. Now I can, I can dial it back and now I can refine my approach. 
I, I honestly rarely stick with the topwater bait. So even if I get bit on one, I really don't like fishing topwater baits. And the reason for that is because since it is a, since it is a reaction strike and the bait's on top of the actual water, there's so many variables that can go wrong with that, that fish hitting the bait, getting skin hooked or something along those lines or not, you know, not really right. teeing up the bait. And I, I'm not really able to get a good hook set and fight the fish. Um, that I'll actually, I don't necessarily lose more than I want, but I, I want to increase my odds to the point where if I get bit, I'm going to land that fish. Yeah. If I can go out that time and, and get 10 bites and catch 10 fish, that's a successful trip for me. I don't, I personally don't believe, uh, top waters give that to me. What they do though, is they do trigger responses from big fish and they also tell me fish are in the area. So unless I'm really trying to cover water, that's when I'll actually go to a big, a big top water bait. If I'm going to throw a topwater bait, though, uh, again, it's going to be either that Miralore Sheedog. Uh, and then lately, I've really kind of come back a little bit to, you know, throwing a lot of the, the big super spooks. Yeah. Didn't quite realize how easy these things are to work. And I think that's probably why a lot of people uh, like heading products. They're also cheap. But I actually think, you know, to an inexperienced angler, they're really easy to walk the dog. Yeah. I mean, and they they have a really great glide path when you're walking that dog. And so you can, you can just really slowly, you know, methodically do that walk the dog pattern. And they have a really, really, you know, sharp side to side motion as opposed to the she dog. It's obviously a little bit more darty, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'll also pause it a lot more with the she dog because again, that sounds kind of emanating, uh, some sort of like presence. Right. So I, I call it still hunting. Even when I pause that bait, it's still fishing. It's still hunting. And so those fish, more often than not, honestly, will actually come up and pump it uh, when that bait's almost sitting still, right? Or right after that, yeah. that long, yeah. long pronounced pause. So, God, they'll scare uh, you sometimes so, when it's sitting there a little too long and whack! Dude, dude, so like, you know, in heavy, heavy, windy conditions, um, that's when I really like the she dog. Even in some really lighter uh, conditions, I'll kind of dial it back a little bit. I might go to like a one knocker, which has a little bit more of a subdued, mm -hmm. kind of lower pitch. Um, and then we even not like if I'm really, again, trying to cover water and really target a big bite, that's when I'll go to the super spook. But, um, even like when in those windier conditions, just, you know, giving a, a good five count cadence, boom, 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 boom. And then all of a sudden like letting it sit there for a second and that those waves rocking that bait. I mean, that, that she dogs click, 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 click. Oh yeah. So it's still working and boom, no, you might see a wave crest and you might not see that bait sitting there, you know, so. <laughs> I love that, but that's um, true. I just think there's a lot of a lot of time where you know, again, those fish don't really crosshair it and 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 get a and get a good mouthful, if you will. Yeah, so definitely. That's when I'll. So if I get bit, even if I catch a few, uh, I'll go ahead and make the transition. And typically, it will be to the old Paul Brown Fat Boy man. I mean, without a doubt, again, the, the best. Uh, bait you can probably throw from a big trout fishing perspective certainly here in the texas coast uh but i you know i actually talked to steve brown this morning and we were just talking in general uh, about corky sales and broke back sales and the super devil and all this stuff and you know he's like man he's like i'm you know i'm selling a lot more to to east coast anglers and you know i think one it's i think people are realizing the capabilities that corkies do have and how much they do apply across various estuaries. Oh yeah. You know, when oh, I lived yeah. in Mississippi, I would still throw a Paul Brown Fat Boy um, and caught a lot of my big fish at night wade fishing in Mississippi. 
uh, on a Paul Brown Fat Boy. So it's just so good and it transcends across uh, all different estuaries. I caught him in Florida when I lived in the Florida East Coast, wade fishing uh, over there in the Banana River, you know, fishing up in Mosquito Lagoon over towards New Smyrna. I mean, I would fish there and throw it. Now it would be later in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that there is a true, you know, definitive corky season. That's one of the things about a corky fat boy that a lot of people don't realize is that um, the bait itself will actually change um, its, its descent speed um, depending on water temperature. Wow. And so I, I kind of wow. did like, yeah, I did a study. I just filled up like a little five-gallon tank. And uh, what I did is I wanted to see kind of really what the ascent speed or descent speed was uh, for different Paul Brown products. And so when I came to the Paul Brown Fat Boy and the floater, um, I started with like room temperature water, zero salt in, in the actual, um, in the water itself. And it was like a, a 1.3 or 1.4 seconds per foot, uh, which is the descent speed. As I chilled the water and added salt to it, so I chilled it down to like 55 degrees, which would simulate like wintertime water. And then I added some kosher salt, which is the, you know, it's pure. And so I just started in there, dissolved the salt mixture, added some density uh, to the actual column itself. And then I started tracking the descent speeds. And what you found was really the Paul Brown Fat Boy went from like 1.3 or 1.4. I have them somewhere. I wrote an article on it somewhere. It's it's out there. Um, but from that, when you start to chill it and add salt, the descent speed slows tremendously. Um, wow. It would go to like 2.6, 2.7 seconds per foot. So the Paul Brown Floater, which I have, the Paul Brown Fat Boy Floater, and you know, I know you had, Caleb on, but it's you know a floater has the red yeah gill, yeah the red gill right. The thing here is obviously it doesn't have a rattle. Paul Brown Fat Boys have rattles, or the non-floaters um, have rattles. What this does is when it sinks, it actually kind of glides back and, and sinks nose up. A Paul Brown Fat Boy, when it's descending, will actually obviously you know fall almost horizontally and give that wobble. Now, I was catching a lot of big fish in the springtime, uh, early summer, believe it or not, on a floater because, again, having that thought process in the back of my brain that when the water uh, is colder, this was like four seconds per foot. It It wouldn't float. It's still a super slow descent. But if you warmed up the water, it would be like two seconds per foot. So really... A floater in the summertime is almost like a regular fat boy in the wintertime. So when I would fish shallow grass or flats that had grass on it in the summertime or when the water temps were in the upper 70s, low 80s, uh, I would throw a floater because it's still descending pretty quick, believe it or not, unlike it does in the wintertime. And so going down to Mansfield, we just had a hard norther blow through. Probably those water levels will come down. We'll probably fish in pretty skinny water. I'm throwing a floater because I know I can cover really, really high in that water column and I'm not going to get hung up and, and fish that really effectively. Yeah. So again, that's, man, that's just being in tune with your tackle, your equipment and knowing the nuances. Something as simple as really like salinity and, and, and water temperature has an impact on a bait. Definitely. You know, and dude, the more you know that stuff, the more you kind of have that in the back of your brain and, 
and you can make an educated decision on the water. So yeah, the more that can kind of seamlessly just flow through your thought process as you're fishing, oh my the God. better it is. Like, and you'll have those realization days on the water where you're like, wow, like I can't believe I just put that together, but I did, you know, and you kind of, I get kind of proud of myself and, um, for making a decision that, that pans out like that. And that's cool. That's cool to see. That's impressive that you've done that study on the, on the sink rate. I'm gonna have to look up that article and, and read. It. I'll try yeah. to find it, maybe link it in the show. Cause that's pretty, that's pretty okay. cool. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I did the regular, you know, Paul Brown fat boy, did the saltine Excel, did the softines and all that stuff. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, I did the devil, uh, as well. And, and you can see that is, is, is actually pretty eye opening. So the question was, you know, corky season, true or false. To some extent, it's kind of true because the bait does fish a little bit more effectively for wintertime fishing. But do they work all year? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not saying that there is. There's just a right now is the time when corkies are, are super effective. And I really think it isn't necessarily as a result of the bait fishing differently as much as I think that the actual bait availability in the resource um, isn't necessarily there. Right. The fish are used to eating on big mullet. Um, or smaller fin fish in, in the spring summer, well, shoot, man, all that stuff's either died or growed up. Right. You know, so now they're really just targeting on something with a bigger profile. So For sure. Fat Boy matches that perfectly. Definitely. And, and when you were talking about the top water too, this is something that just came back in my head. That mm-hmm. that full size spook can be so intimidating as a new angler to throw, but the amount of twelve inch fish I've caught on a on a full size oh, okay. spook is insane. <laughs> Probably way more than citation fish. I mean, they're, they're not scared to eat something big like that. No, dude, those things are savage. They man. are savage. I mean, from the little, like, eight-inch rascal, man, I'll take that super spook, no problem. <laughs> it's, they, it's crazy. They're nuts. It is nuts. Well, let's move down to the water column then, like you were talking about. So we're talking top water first. Let's talk about some of the hard baits you like to fish, you know, from okay. from the, the top of the water column down to maybe mid-water column or a little bit deeper. All right. Yeah, that, that's good. So um, let's go um, – I'll, I'll stick with Mirror Lore because okay. I, I throw a lot of Mirror Lore products. Yeah. Uh, obviously, tremendous. They've been around for you know forever. And honestly, you know, Mr. Eric Botnick and, and Mirror Lore is just tremendous people. Uh, admittedly, man, getting a chance to know them and start to kind of understand who they are and how they're they're pretty awesome. That's, that's a, awesome. That's a damn company, yeah. man. Um, but even before then, you know, I was throwing a lot of Mirror Lores, and so um, the Miradine. It's funny because, like, in Florida, I threw the, like, the actual 17 MRs a lot more than I do now. Um, and it really took really one um, – I just threw them a lot. I, I would either feather the treble. Even in Mississippi, I, would, I don't have the treble feathered on this one. But in Mississippi, one of my favorite baits, actually, along with the Fat Boy in the winter – at nighttime in the wintertime, uh, was actually a, a black – um, 17 MR with the white bones. I called it Skeletor, and it had a feathered treble, a feathered number six VMC treble. Treble, and what it did is it just gave a little bit more presence, a yeah. little bit more profile, and it righted, it righted the descent, and it would also slow the descent. And so I really, I really like those. But I'll throw the 17 MR. It still finds its way in my box here in the Texas coast, uh, mainly because. Um, if I have a lot of high pressure situations, sometimes the water can get really clear here. Uh, or if I'm fishing again, kind of that springtime, early summer. Now I don't fish during the summer cause I take off. 
that's when I'll typically throw like a 17 MR if the conditions are really tough. Mm -hmm. And that kind of goes into my soft plastic choice as well, which I'll, we'll talk about here in a sec. But really, uh, I would, if I were looking at the two and I had, you know, overcast conditions, fairly windy, um, big, big fish present in the area, and I was looking for a slow descent profile, I'm definitely going to pick the 27 MR uh, over the 17 MR almost 10 times out of 10. Yeah. Now, if the conditions clear up, the wind shuts down, a bait kind of starts to get a little bit tougher. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to reduce the amount of presence I have in the actual like column. I want the fish to know something's there, but I don't want to spook the fish by having just this really loud presence profile. Uh, that's when I go to a 17. So uh, I do throw some others. Um, um, I do throw like the Uzuri, uh, the in short, you know, twitch minnow. It's like two and three quarter inches. So it's like the same size as like the, uh, the 17 MR because it actually has a slower descent speed than the actual 17 MR. Oh. Uh, so I'll also have some of those as well. Again, it's just understanding what that descent speed is, kind of what you're trying to target, yeah. right? Uh, so anyway, but 27. Um, Any colors in those that you prefer other than, uh, over others? More natural. More natural than anything. So like, yeah, um, my favorite is like the Bayou Green. It's actually right here. It's chewed up pretty good. But like that oh, yeah. Bayou Green, just a natural color. I, I'm more of a natural color kind of person, man. Um, as you can see, like the one fat boy I keep picking up, that's a Pearl Harbor. That one's been on point lately. It's just a gray back, gray belly, uh, gold insert, and it's it's dominant, man. That's it's awesome. dominant, like. The water has a little bit of stain to it, but like it's got this really nice kind of greenish color, but it's not clear, but it's like this greenish clear. It's kind of weird to explain here in the Texas coast. It gets that way, um, but man, it, it's it's really nice. It's different shades of gray, if you yeah, will. Yeah, yeah. So, but I like to stick to it, you know, pretty basic colors, to be honest with you, man. So like that one had like a chartreuse back, like that clear chartreuse back. Um, you know, silver side, just something like that. I'm not huge on like the, the Texas chickens and, and they're really bright. Now I know they do work. Yeah. Uh, Halloween would probably be one that, you know, from an off colored, non-natural color, uh, would probably be another choice. Okay. Um, at Halloween. Sweet. That's, that's pretty dominant. That's pretty, uh, pretty good across various color spectrums. All right. So let's keep going. So, uh, that was 17 MRs, 27 MRs. Uh, the other thing I would tell you is, and I picked it up, this is actually, so this would be, shoot, that would be a 27. Yep. Uh, and in the seven, this is the mirror lure, or it's a Texas Custom Lures Double D. This is Sweet Lucy. Um, but the idea here is um, the, these baits, unlike the 27 MR, even though they are the 27 MR bait profile and really kind of the same thing, um, what happens is, is a double D, when you twitch it down, so a two, three count twitch cadence, it comes down in a column and it'll slow float back to the top. And so again, you're kind of working kind of that six to eight inches uh, below the surface and you can really trigger a really nice response from a fish that's either uncommitted to top water, uh, swiping, maybe skin hooking like a fat boy or something like that. Um, a double D might be another really good way to get that fish down in the column, but not not below them, just kind of in their right. face and then sit a little bit longer and then provide that response. And then honestly, sometimes just that really pronounced pause of that bait kind of floating back to the top, um, man, it just, it, it really triggers them, you know, for some ungodly reason. And so <laughs> it would be that, 
No, so like I really classify, you know, the 7M, Mirror Lore 7M and the Double D um, is really my two kind of below, just below the surface baits. Uh, this one has a much quicker ascent rate than the Double D on obviously a different bait profile. But don't forget about that part of the water column. I know I've written a couple articles on that for Louisiana Sportsman. Um, a lot of people are like, man, you know, I'm getting a lot of fish blow up on the top water. And they'll immediately switch to a jig. Well, I'm like, dude, you left like a foot and a half of the water column. Right, right. Those fish may not look down, you know, and, and, and want a bait presented on the bottom. And if you're swimming a jig, it might be coming too quick through through there, you know. So you want to sit something. And so don't forget about that part of the column. Um, those are sometimes the most those, aggressive bites, too, just under the surface. Oh, my God. They just hammer it. So Yeah, dude, I love um, – my, my my favorite day probably was last year. I'll never forget it, man. One, it was the quantity and the quality of the fish were insane. Um, but it was one of those bites that was super finicky. And it was actually on a wrap of a shadow wrap, just a regular shadow wrap. Um, and it took me forever to figure it out. Um but once I did, it was amazing. And it wasn't a fish like every cast. It wasn't a fish like every 10 or 15 cast. It was like one every 20 cast. But every one you hooked was like, you know, four or better uh, with, a, with a couple, you know, really, really solid fish. And so, uh, but what it was is they wanted a really, they wanted that bait kind of sitting in their face. And that's when I really understood the, the capabilities of a jerk bait and why, like, you hear those bass guys like when they when they work in a jerk bait, they'll sit it, and I mean sometimes they want to do anything, and those fish will just eat. Um, and that was one of those days, man. It was like a five to six or seven count. It was painfully slow to fish it, but the anticipation of getting a bite from those big fish just kind of kept you going, right? So you make a cast, twitch, 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 kill it, one one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand, four one thousand, twitch, 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 you know. And so like a cast would take you five minutes. But it was like, oh, man, any cast is – and what you would find is like on that long, long pronounced pause, it would be like twitch, 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 on 1,002, boom. I mean, it was like, boom. Yeah, just and pulling so, on it. Oh, man. And so I throw my jerk baits actually on a spinning rod for that reason is because I can really loosen a drag to the point where when I'm actually ripping the bait, it's actually pulling a little bit of drag. So when they hit the bait, because sometimes they hit it so violently – They'll just keep going, boom, and then zzz, they can just keep, they can take as much as you want, right? I'm fishing the open flats of Texas. There's nothing really other than like some submerged shell that they're really going to cut off on or wrap me around. or So just have at it, brother. <laughs> uh, but that was really, that was really the idea, man. And, and that was probably my most fun day last year. Uh, just that super long pronounced pause. And if you worked it quicker or something like that, they just didn't respond to it. If you changed profile on them, they didn't like it. Um, to the point where, actually, it was this color bud. This isn't the color, but the color bud, which is like a white top, and it's uh, a chartreuse bottom. Mm -hmm. It was that particular uh, bait. Um, and actually, I had one fish. It wrapped. That's the only thing I don't like about shadow wraps is they have that third treble so what happens is when a fish eats typically the the head of the bait is close to the cheek or right near the corner of the mouth and then those that bottom treble is kind of on their gill plate or something like that 
And that middle treble is either flailing around. And then what happens is when those fish make those hard turns or start to run, what I found was my leader was getting caught in that middle treble. And so that's another reason I fish a light drag is because, you know, you come back and you'd have some seriously frayed line. Well, I had one big fish on and man, she was just ripping and boom, just broke it broke off and i'm like crap so i tied on another shadow wrap dude and i sat there for like another hour and didn't get a bite well and like, damn man uh, <laughs> wish I'd, I'd give like 80 dollars for a freaking shadow wrap uh in that color right now so uh, <laughs> i'm never caught without uh, a couple different colors in the spectrum but yeah um anyway man i'm sorry i'm super long no i love it man you know how that makes podcasts even better man that people are here for the information especially me yeah. so um yeah the, you want to stay on jerkbaits? Yeah, let's uh, talk about of, jerkbaits a little bit. Yeah. I know we're going to save that one you talked about for the Patreon, um, but let's talk about the other ones um, that, okay. that you do like to fish. Okay, so uh, I've fished like a lot of different ones, man, and, and I've talked a lot about them. They're on our Instagram page. You're on, uh, You've done some great Truth. short videos too on Instagram I've seen of, of just really yeah. deep so, dives on the jerkbaits. Yep, so – um, there's a couple different ones and, and I'll just kind of run through and I'll talk a, briefly as brief as I can, which is not very <laughs> brief sorry, uh, about different ones. Um, so there's a couple different ones in a throw. So mega bass vision 110. We'll save the other one for later. Um, but a mega bass vision 110. Okay. The rappel of shadow wrap shed. The rappel of shadow wrap. I almost grabbed the one. The I'm a flit. I'm a flit. This is a jerk bait that I had actually uh, created. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about the nuances there and why. The Lucky Craft Pointer. Mega Bass uh, X80 Trick Darter. And then the Mega, I'm um, sorry, the uh, Rapala uh, BX Extreme Minnow. Okay. Um, I know that's a lot, dude, but <laughs> I do. I, I seriously carry all those jerk baits. Yeah in my yeah. box because every single one of them has a different capability um you would if to the outsider looking into the inexperienced angler it's a lip jerk bait and it should fish fish like a lip jerk bait oh my gosh man there's so different so many different nuances and these are just a few i have a, many others but these typically find their ways into um into the into the box all right so Rapala shadow wrap so let's say i'm fishing waist deep water okay. typically when i'm fishing waist deep maybe uh casting into something maybe a little bit over the belly um over submerged structure so i really like a bait that fishes down effectively the kind of the middle to lower part of the water column with the slow ascent now fishing in texas waters super salty water super dense water uh you can have a bait that's actually i think on the shadow wrap uh uh, yeah on the shadow wrap uh, box it actually says so s slow sinking um, i can tell you they do not slowly sink here in texas they slowly float um, just because the water is that dense so if hmm. i'm going to target a jerkbait bite or kind of figure out what kind of jerkbait they're responding to um, understanding the two different uh, capabilities so this one fishes a little bit deeper but has a slower ascent the Rapala Shadow Wrap Shad um, fishes a little bit shallower and has a quicker ascent. So if I'm targeting, you know, fish, um, 
I'll start with the shadow wrap shed, same concept, maybe fishing from top to bottom. I'll start with the shadow wrap shed and I'll rip it down. Um, knowing that I'm fishing really about the top foot of the water column with a slow foot, slow float to the top. Um, if I'm really trying to target and let me go back to the double D real quick, which was over there somewhere, <laughs> the double D I like to fish those in kind of calmer conditions. Uh, with a jerk bait, you can throw them in some pretty turbulent conditions because you can rip that bait down and it'll stay down because the waves and the wind and all that stuff are kind of, again, with the lip, it's kind of pulling it down. Unlike with like a, like a, a double D when the wind's kind of blowing and stuff like that, you're, you're trying to get that bait down Right. with the lip, you're getting it, that bait down. So that's a way to effectively fish that kind of same part of the water column, but knowing that bait's getting down and then staying down with a slow float. Then I'll kind of chase them down. If nothing on a shadow wrap shad, I'll go down to a shadow wrap, which fishes like two foot. Uh, again, this is in kind of the Texas area that I'm fishing um, and with a much slower float. So I can sit that bait a little bit longer and I will um, just to see if that's going to drive a response. If nothing there, also too, one of the things about Rappel products that's very important to note is when they do suspend or slow float, Typically, they have a chin-up uh, ascent profile, ascent profile, excuse me, uh, versus like an I'm a flit. Um, and I didn't bring it up. I'm a flit, which is a much smaller profile. Yeah, much skinnier. Much skinnier profile. It has, if you can see that, the lip is super thin uh, and really, really like thin, but it's pretty long, but it still fishes like a foot and a half, a little bit smaller profile. Oh. But the thing here is that it also has a slow float, but what happens is on that twitch cadence, it's much more erratic. And just because of the lip and how thin it is, it has a lot more side-to-side -side darting action as opposed to a shadow wrap, which is a little bit more kind of methodical, if you will. Doop, doop, doop. So you'd consider you know, that more of an aggressive shallow water jerk bait? Yeah. yeah. Or, yes, absolutely. Or if those fish, I'm trying to fire them up, yeah. like they're, they're not responding to something that's kind of more conventional, if you will. If I'm really trying to target that bite and kind of get that school fired up or trying to, you know, really target something into eating, I'll throw a lot of like erratic uh, actions, you know, and I'm a flitz a way to kind of do that. And you can cast it pretty well yeah. as well. Now, uh, this is actually the make jerk shed rip shed, kind of a same profile um, to an I'm a flit, but fishes, I, I personally believe this, this bait fishes little less than a foot and above with a slow ascent. So I'm also, again, trying to skinny down my profile and fish that top part yeah, of the column. Yeah. Well, let's go a little bit deeper. So if nothing in kind of like that top foot and a half, two foot range, that's when I'll start to kind of dial it down. Oh no, this could be really bad. <laughs> I know you're gonna be moving your hands at some point, <laughs> grab one of those hooks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and one I didn't grab, which is actually a jackal re-range. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, mention that one. But this is the um, the Rappel of BX Minnow, and so it's it's made out of balsa wood. You can maybe barely see yeah, it, yeah. but it's actually wood in there. Um, and so what this is is it actually fishes pretty deep, um, a little over two feet, two and a half feet, but it has a quicker ascent profile because it's wood. Um, so I can get the bait deeper, but I know it's going to come up quicker, as opposed to a Lucky Craft Pointer. There it is. Or, or actually a Mega Bass, that X80 Trick Darter, which is going to fish deeper with a slower ascent. So if I'm wanting to 
keep my bait down in the column at the lowest part of the column i'll actually throw like a lucky craft 90 or a 110 or something like that get that bait down and like on a lot of my deep water jerk baits like on the actual like on the actual lips themselves they'll be tore up on the front end because when i'm i'm digging i'm hitting the bottom but i know they're slow floating back to the top so if those fish are kind of on the lower part of the column maybe sitting you know on the bottom itself you can kind of see those red lesions on their belly or something like that they're really not in a super aggressive mood i can get that bait to them hit that bottom doop, 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 and then it kind of slow float it and just keep it right in front of their face and sometimes just it's sitting right there man and just go nuts yeah. and you also have to think about too that your bait's connected to line you know like your leader and then your main line to your rod and so like even if i'm looking one way i still move my rod six inches if the wind's blowing and if i have like wavy conditions the wave presence on your line or on your on your leader is moving something and so a bait you know might be pretty static in terms of um in terms of how it ascends and stuff like that it's not just doing this instead if you're moving your rod or you're looking around looking at bait or the wind's blowing again just the pull on like your leader and the wave action is going to cause that bait to rock just a little bit in the column you know and sometimes just that subtlety and movement will drive those fish bonkers man um and so the ultimate lastly the ultimate deep water jerk bait that i talked about um that i love dude um is the the mega bass vision 110 um, it fishes the deepest out of most. Um, probably if you're in like lesser salinity conditions, you can fish this bait really as deep as five, six feet, um, which is actually a really good segue into why I'm able to fish these baits a lot skinnier than really what the package intends for is because what I do is, give me one sec, there it is. You can change the, the depths in which those baits dive by simply changing your leader. So this is 25 pound mono versus like a fluoro. I typically throw bigger diameter monofilament, mainly because I have my rod angle up in the up in the air and I'm twitching that bait with a large diameter leader line that floats. So I'm able to keep that bait up in the column uh, as much as possible. If I if I have intent of getting the bait deep, down deeper, I can switch to a, a either a thinner diameter fluoro. I can go to fluoro. Um, and I can change my different rod angles, yeah. right? So all those different things, man, are subtle nuances. Like if I had a GoPro on my head and like somebody was able to like listen to me fishing cause I fish by myself pretty much all the time. I, that's probably why I'm crazy as I am is because <laughs> all I do is talk to myself. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Trying to figure out a bite, man. Sorry. No, guys. you're good. I, I, I can imagine too that with those, when you're reading the packaging on a lot of these jerk baits, cause there are plenty of saltwater jerk baits out there, but there's also, um, a, a lot of the ones you're talking about are, you know, predominantly freshwater baits, bass baits, you know, that's kind of where they're designed yep. for that. You can already go ahead and imagine that those baits are going to float more if you're fishing them in saltwater whatsoever, the, the, the sink rate is going to be slower. So, I mean, unless you're looking at the saltwater versions of, of, you know, some of the Rapala baits and whatnot, you, you can probably imagine that they're going to, they're going to float a little bit better from the get go. No. All right. So last thing. So on, on like the, the vision 110, why is it my favorite? I, I totally missed yeah, that yeah. part. So when I get it down to the bottom and I'm, I'm able to tick that either shell or sand uh, or whatever, 
Um, what happens is the ascent profile, and that's why the jackal re-range is another one of my favorite deep water jerk baits, is because they two, they're the, almost the same and they're identical to some extent. They have different ascent profiles. And so when you twitch this bait down, when it floats back to the top, it comes up tail up with that head down for some ungodly reason. I don't know why, but like fish and they respond to that. Like they eat the shit out of the Sorry. <laughs> no, you're careful. good. They will, they will T-bone a, a 110. I've had more T-bones. I just shared a picture, I think, on Instagram or something like that. But more often than not, a 110 is going to be down the throat of a big trout versus like a shadow wrap. I have no idea why. It's got The only thing I can attribute it to is that ascent profile in the way that it's tail deep. When they get after it head first or whatever it is, however they're eating that bait, since it's already maybe down, when they're opening that mouth and just woof, feeling that rush of water, it's down to, it's down to hatch, man. When so. would you say the majority of the bites come when fishing a jerkbait overall? I know it can be different per jerkbait, but like if you had to kind of give one kind of key time. Yeah, certainly in a pause. In a pause. Um, yeah, rare. You know, it, it happens, you know, where I'm twitching. I'm like, oh, there he is, yeah. you know. Surprising. Um, yeah, right. Um, which is good. That's, again, another reason why I do fish like a lighter drag is because when I'm actually twitching a bait, again, I'm kind of, you know, twitching it pretty aggressively and so if i'm twitching it and a fish is on one i'm having enough to drive the hooks but i'm also not deliberately trying to set the hook so the fish still has enough give so even if yeah. i do hook that fish accidentally i still have a chance to land that fish but typically uh, it is on the pause even if it's only like a one one thousand pause typically when you just sit that bait for a second um more often than not it's a it's a hard thump boom almost like a corky thump but very, very, and, and honestly, lately, it's been kind of weird where a lot of the hits uh, that I've had on a jerkbait, and I've, I've caught, I haven't caught any giants lately, but, you know, the, the ones have been catching been pretty solid. They've been really like, it's almost like a, like a tick. Yeah. You know, it, it's not very like the, the quintessential like jerkbait bite, rip the rod out of your hands. Um and a lot of the, the bigger fish that I've actually caught, like the 11, the 10 pounder I caught last year, actually last December, um, I didn't, you know, it was the most, it was the craziest bite. When she ate it, it really wasn't like this boom, you know, it was more like this. That was a jerk bait sub- fish too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. It's this one right here. She's retired, man. You got to retire after a 10 pounder. I mean, I wouldn't know, but I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got all yeah, my thirty, my thirty inches, the ones I've caught thirties are all right there. That's awesome. But um, <clears throat> this is it, man. This is the bait. And so actually, it had when she ate, um, swoop, just kind of sucked it in, felt a small kind of give, if you will, set the hook, and the fish immediately came up to the surface. And my only guess is that she did have it like in the roof of her mouth or something like that, and. When she, when I set the hook, she immediately came up and started shaking away from me. So, you know, picture like a tarpon or a sailfish or something. Ten pound fish, man, just shaking away from you. So I'm, I'm just thinking about my lead line, just rubbing on those top fangs and that kind of, that kind of uh, tooth plate right there on the top of my. Oh crap, this isn't good. And so when, man, she just took a long strip of drag and then eventually kind of came to the left. And then when she did, she started shaking back at me. So I'm trying to keep tension as much as I can and, and make sure that, you know, even though she's shaking, 
um, that that bait's still kind of in her mouth and just trying to keep as much, man. It yeah. was the most intense fight. That's um, awesome. Finally, when I got her, I changed all my hooks on my jerk baits, um, which is really a, another pretty sound segue there. Um, but this was a treble hook. I don't know if you can see that, but it only has two now. And these two hooks right here, these back two hooks, were in the roof of the mouth. That was it. That was it. <laughs> Dude, I was, oh my God. So actually when I was at the Biloxi Boat Show, I thought somebody stole that off because I have like a display of lures just because we talk to people yeah. when they come by the booth. Um, we talk about different techniques and stuff. And I had that one. I like telling it story. It's fun. But uh, <laughs> I thought somebody like accidentally took it you know i'm like where's my jerk bait you know so anyway um i love it man that's sweet but that's her that's her let's do a little but, quick right, so, so sorry what were you saying yeah i just wanted i want to touch on that real yeah. quick so hooks on the shadow wraps on the shadow wrap products basically all rapala products change your hooks to owner st36 on the shadow wrap itself use the number sixes on the shadow wrap shads use the number fours okay Sweet. Yeah, that, that's good to know. Um, as far as when you're fishing jerk baits, I mean, th I, I know this could go pretty deep, but is there is there one specific kind of rod setup that you like for fishing jerk baits? Yep. Okay. Yep. Share that with us real quick. Yeah, that's a good question, uh, Judd. And so uh, I use a, a seven foot Waterloo uh, salinity rod. It's right here. It's this green one. Um, it's the the closest I could find to the rods that I had. They were actually made by Academy. They were H2O Express inshore series. They were seven foot. They were a medium. Um, and the action was a fast action tip. But the blank itself was rated for six to 12 pound. That's important to know because the rod itself just has enough give. So one, I can not only cast the bait because some of these baits are pretty small. You know, like the I'm a flit's not a huge bait. So you want to have some give in the rod itself to make the cast. Uh, but then aside from that, the 6 to 12 pound. So it's – don't hit the fan, Chris. Don't hit the fan. But um, so – I make good TV. 6 to 12, 7 foot. Typically always have a 3,000. Uh, suffix 832, 20 pound. And then this is obviously not a jerk bait because <laughs> I'm going out of Mansfield. But – That is typically what I use. So a seven foot rated six to 12, a uh, medium action, uh, fat, oh, I'm sorry, medium power, fast action. Sweet. Would you, this is something that I share with people a lot when they ask me about rods is any of my rods I'm fishing with a treble hook, especially a jerk bait. I want that given the tip because oh, yeah. they're going to pull the treble hooks out of their mouth 90% of the time if you're fishing a heavier, heavier tipped rod. So, um, that's just always something I like to share because I didn't know that for the longest time. You know, I'd, I'd be throwing a topwater plug with a heavier rod when I was a kid and get blown up and pull the pull like six or seven fish off on a on a topwater plug with a heavier tipped rod. So, um, yep. it's it's definitely good to have. Well, sweet. Do you have any other hard baits that you you want to go over um, before we switch over to the soft the soft world? And here's another question for you that might be a good transition: Corky, soft bait or hard bait? <laughs> do I consider it? Yeah, oh, I consider it a soft bait. I consider it its own bait. Its own um, bait. Yeah, honestly, man, because there's nothing like it. Yeah. You know, I, I've had a chance to actually sit down with the man Paul Brown himself and listen to his story, one during the podcast and then afterwards how he created the bait and 
um, how that's a Texas born bait. Yeah. Um, the reason it's not mass produced and, and sold everywhere and that there is such an affinity for, uh, Texas anglers with the corky is, and he, he said it himself, it was a bait design and, and, and made by Texas anglers. So I wouldn't classify it as a hard or a soft, man. It, it's kind of its own deal. Yeah. Uh, it fishes like its own deal. I don't consider it either or, um, you know, so it's just a corky. <laughs> it's crazy that there is a bait that, that is in between the two, you know, cause there's, if you think about it, it's like, there's, it's always a soft bait or a hard bait and you pick that bait up and the action and everything about it is so different. Um, you know, here's another question I had about that bait before we fully switch over. Have you, do you know anyone that's taken that bait in freshwater to bass fish and those different corky bait? I feel like, man, you get that in the right hands of the right bass pro, it could be so, a killer bait. Well, I, so admittedly, Kyle Perry, um, he's a great Air Force friend of mine. Huh. And admittedly, admittedly, man, um, he's the best fisherman I know, hands down. And I mean, from literally he can go and catch he like in the guadalupe here in san antonio he can go and pick up like an ultralight jig and or ultralight rod and go catch a rainbow trout in guadalupe and then he'll go to the he's lived everywhere he'll go and drop shot in a california delta uh he'll go punch mats in, in the potomac because he's lived all these different places yeah. uh but he also dude he developed this crazy way of catching sheep's head in mississippi uh, where it was actually like pure combat fishing. He would basically use like a modified ish cane pole. Um, and he would get really deep and he's a, he's like a defensive, he actually played defensive yeah. back in college. He's a beast. And so like, he really enjoyed that, but he figured out a way to get in these really tight structures with this, you know, this rod, but dude, th- th- this Oh, just to push. get it way back in there with the cane pole. That's awesome. Dude, <laughs> dude he'll rip them. And then he's like, just pulling them out man and, and he has the strength to do it my wimpy butt wouldn't be able to do that but uh but dude this guy catches him and so he just moved away he was living he was stationed at travis air force base and uh he was fishing the california delta now sadly he he was deployed for like almost a year and a half uh, because covid kept him over there now he's back and now they've pcs now to to wright patterson which is in ohio and so he'll figure out a way to catch walleye and smallmouth and in the great lakes or something like yeah. that right that's just how good of a fisherman this guy is but he actually uh was he had every intent of throwing like miradons or 17s uh and the paul brown products actually in the california delta with the same process that i have which is dude these fish have never seen these right. stuff before, right right and so i'm fishing a california delta where they're throwing you know 10 inch rainbow trout huddlestons you know um why wouldn't a court work definitely yeah. definitely so. it's yeah it's cool to think about you know i mean 90 percent of the saltwater baits have come from freshwater ideas and it'd be cool to send one back the other way <laughs> <laughs> send it there yeah back. well i mean dude admittedly though like the swim bait game and the small swim bait game you know it's kind of picking up and obviously taking shape in the in the freshwater market that's a bait that you know from an h and h caco i was throwing when i was like eight years old right. Now you're starting to see them on the back of A rigs, or you know, there's a gazillion different manufacturers now that make small swim bait tails. You know that they put them on a jig head and, and crank them. Oh, well, we were doing that forever. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Have you ever thrown an Alabama rig for trout? I have not. That's something I wanted to try. I think it could be pretty deadly. <laughs> you know where I would throw that though is like, if I was moved back to Mississippi, I would throw that in like Pascagoula. Uh, and I've fished these different areas. So they're a little bit deeper water complex. Like 
I can even go over like the west side of the state, which is like towards like by Caddy mm-hmm. or over towards like the uh, past Christian area where they have like these long windy bayous and they're fairly deep. And so I could totally see like casting an A-rig like up current or up into the tide or up, you, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. then crank it back tide in like these eight to 10 foot bayous. I mean, it, it only makes sense. Yeah, for, I think sure. It for sure. Yeah, here in Texas. Oh man, good luck with that. <laughs> Well, let's let's move over into you know the soft plastics, and and I know that I don't know if you, I know there are top water soft plastics, but I don't know if that's something that you were want to had to talk about. But let's kind of start, you know, wherever makes no. sense because we started yeah. top to bottom with the hard baits. But yeah, so uh, it's really about a confidence at this point. In, in there again, I don't know how much time we have. I know we've been talking for a while. Oh, and you're people... good, man. As long as you're good, we can keep rolling through this. Okay. Yeah, I'm cool. Um, so. Um, I admittedly, man, growing up, I used to, again, throw the, uh, H and H cockahoes, obviously where I'm from, you know, the matrix shed is King, uh, over there in the Southeast part of Louisiana, obviously super versatile bait. And when I moved, um, to Florida or to Texas, then Florida and back to Texas, um, I've really just, again, man, I, I can really care less uh, about catching a lot of fish. Honestly, if I go out there and blank, but learn something about maybe an area that I, I feel will hold the big fish, then that's when I'll go ahead and go, okay. Uh, but I'm typically throwing these bigger soft plastics. So I like six inches, certainly five inches or more. Uh, but really my biggest and my most confident soft plastic bait is really the gambler flapping shad. So again, uh, a bass bait. Um, so gambler makes uh, a bunch of different products for the freshwater market. Uh, gambler flapping shads are ultimate, uh, for me, at least from a soft plastic perspective, if I'm going to make the transition from hard baits to soft plastics, typically it's going to be a gambler flapping shad, six inch gambler flapping shad to start. And then I'll go to a K wiggler ball tail shad. Okay. So, um, and then from there, those are both kind of the bigger profiles. And then I'll go ultimately to like a down South lure. Uh, and then you just, there's so many brands in between. You can go to like a, a mirror. Lo- I'm sorry, a, a slick lure or a little slick. You see that it's a much smaller uh, profile, and then ultimately down to a little John. Um, honestly, the more um, the more I've kind of gotten away from fishing soft plastics, I really don't throw a lot of soft plastics anymore. And if I do, they are of a, really the larger variety. Yeah. The baits that I choose on the smaller end of the spectrum typically are darter style baits. So I call them darter style yeah. baits, which are basically um, like a little John. No paddle or, on the sail. Yep. Yeah. So, so if I were to choose that, I'm going to go, um, and I'm looking for a big bite wintertime, spring, uh, you know, fall. I'm probably going to go with the Gambler Flapping Shad. Now, I typically rig those a couple of different ways. Um, uh, so I'll, I'll first start with the first, which is I thought I had it. Um, nonetheless, shoot. Oh yeah, there it is. Okay. So just an arrow style head. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you see that. Yeah. So like just a regular arrow style head. I like that because it matches the bait profile. And so when you're working that bait through the column, it just kind of comes through grass easy. Um, and it just fishes well, got a super wide gap. Those are the mirror lure, um, uh, jig heads that they actually make there. Um, and then for, 
lately this year I found that the gambler flapping shads and how I fished and where I fished them were dominant, man, on the um, on the Texas eye. Yeah. So this year, dude, and I, I know you fished the Texas eye a gazillion times. You found the, you know, you found the actual, you know, hidden kind of talent behind the Texas eye with the click from, uh, you know, the diesel minnow and stuff like that. But on these bigger profile baits, and I did like a, I did a segment on Speckle Truth about the Texas eye. I wrote a couple of different articles about the Texas eye and a gambler flapping flapping shad. And how you can fish that bait effectively on a swing head, for lack of better terms, because that's really what yeah. Texas eye is, that swing head. And so now, not only can I fish a soft plastic, but I can fish a soft plastic really methodically, really effectively, and fish the entire part of the column as opposed to with an open style jig head profile. If I'm fishing over grass or cover, I'm typically having to work that bait a little bit quicker to kind of keep it from snagging. Right. With a Texas eye, that's when I'm able to slow it down, dial it in even more, let that bait have contact with the bottom, and really kind of work that bait methodically. Dude, this spring, early summer, um, I, I caught a I caught a lot of really, really. I actually had, I think it's four or five different citations uh, over 27 inches, um, really in like a, a month, month and a half span. Right when COVID happened, I was able to sneak away kind of midweek. Uh, and tell quote unquote telework for a couple hours yeah. uh, and so but I had them really dialed in man on this on this one flat they were in heavy grass those fish were kind of buried in the grass and I was able to work that through so nonetheless uh, yeah, game with flapping sheds a couple of different jig head styles in, in different profiles I'm going to have to have to get me some of those flapping sheds they're, they're, I, I haven't even yeah. heard of them until you started talking about them so yeah uh, my, so two favorite colors uh, the first is just regular watermelon red mm -hmm. And then they make a plum white. Actually, I have three. So plum white, uh, it's like a, a plum back, um, a plum body with a white tail. So they call it a cool tip here. I call it plum white. Or they make another color called Kool Aid, okay. which is really like a just straight plum. Uh, I love purples and I love just avocados and greens, man. It matches every different silhouette in the water column. I can fish it pretty much anywhere, and, and those have been really good. Um, the other one that I've really had a lot of and started gaining a lot of confidence in is uh, actually, again, another freshwater bait, Shocker. But it's it's not intended at all, believe it or not, to be fished on a jig head. Uh, and this is actually the the Castaway, I'm sorry, Castaic uh, Jerky J is what it's called, kind of a funky name. <laughs> but really what this is, it's actually a, a soft plastic design to fish. You know what a scrounger head is? I don't. So a scrounger head is almost like a it's a heavy jig head with like a plastic shield around it. And so when you're swimming that bait, it's almost like a chatter bait. Oh yeah, I have, it's, it's a bass kind of technique. Yep. Yep. And so when these different style baits, super narrow tail, big bait profile and presence, and the and idea is when that bait's kind of coming through, it just is giving a ton of action on the backside of it. Well, I'm like, well, a scrounger head is just really too heavy of a jig head for saltwater so let me thread it on some lighter jig heads and so i'll really throw these on like a little 132nd ounce jig head yeah. so it's given a lot of really big bait profile presence i could care less about the jig head that's really just the transport and getting the bait down right uh the idea is i just want that big bait profile and so i love how thick and how wide that yeah that's a good looking that bait. bait profile is and and it also kind of 
as you're twitching at a bait, since it is a scrounger head and kind of a little bit softer on a soft plastic material, it does have a lot of action, but it gives you a lot of that different glide kind of coming through. It's not straight down like a traditional jig head. It has a little bit more of a glide to it. Sweet. So, yeah. Um, and in K Wigglers are, are kind of a, a, a Texas kind of staple, if you will, uh, just a straight bait profile, really different bait profile, simple. Um, and you can fish that on anything from an eighth. It's probably the most versatile of, of all of them where you can fish it on an eighth. You fish it on a quarter. You fish it on a – you can fish a weightless. Yeah. Um, honestly. So – Well, sweet. But those are, those are different styles. Now, the last thing – and um, <laughs> the last soft plastic I throw, um, and I almost only throw it in the spring, summertime – Super high pressure conditions, somewhat clear conditions, or the when the bite's really tough, and and I, I, I didn't know where you're going. <laughs> yeah, because because but dude, um, is a Ned rig, dude. So the Ned rig is a beast, um, and so typically, you know, you have um, just a straight finesse TRD, the deal is kind of one of my favorite colors uh that hot snakes is another one uh goby bryant is probably goby bryant name. i haven't seen that one yeah but but dude uh I, I was able to do um an article with with daniel from z-man and you know you, people have heard ca talk about it but you know one of the 30 inch fish that i have caught was actually on a ned rig and it's funny because again kyle perry my, my good bud uh he's at his parents live in brunswick georgia and so they fish a lot of the coastal creeks there and stuff like that and he ended up this is like 2000 and geez man 2015 2014 2015 i think mm -hmm. uh and he's like dude he's like i just mashed like these trout on a ned rig and i'm like what's a ned rig you know and he, he started talking to me about it and so i started exploring a little bit more well i moved to the florida coast and that's when i started throwing a ned rig a lot because those, pr those fish are super pressured water super clear they're so line shy so i was able to really go down you know in in liter diameter et cetera, et cetera, and really just kind of power finesse these fish and i'd always talked about like they're they do it's such a dumb bait man it's just like a little stick you know call it a stick on the hook but um it gets bit man and and i think there's a myriad of different reasons i think why they get bit but i think uh that little bitty bait profile it's able to kind of invade these big fish is like personal space. And so when it gets in that personal space, these big fish will just, they'll get rid of it. And I call it sitting on a bait. And what happens is when they hit it, it kind of feels weird. It almost feels like you snagged, and you'll set the hook and they'll eat. But I've caught some really big fish to include that 30 incher um, on a Ned rig. Now I started exploring different trailers for a ned rig so really the base of a ned rig is just the finesse shrooms head this is actually the this is actually z-man's like ned locks head i really like yeah. that one or i like the owner blockhead i typically what like a one tenth ounce or a one uh 16th ounce jig head the lighter the better is tied and as conditions dictate um but i started kind of using anything from the swimming trout tricks to the Z-Man um, trick shots. So the Z-Man yep. trick shots. You can put a, a lot of these different finesse style baits to include. Castaic actually makes the same ones that make a jerky J. They make a three inch. Oh, sweet. Um, 
So I started putting those on the back of a Ned rig. So really they're, they're kind of limitless. Now Z-Man obviously floats and it gives a little bit better profile, but if you're looking to just change a little bit different presence and profile and presentation, um, the Ned rig, man, do not sleep on the Ned rig. And especially in the spring, um, you start to see a lot of, you know, fish, you know, spawning and, and they starting to have a lot of fingerling glass minnows in the area. A lot of, ha- a lot of things are hatching. There's a lot, a lot more smaller bait fish in the actual estuary. And so that's a great time to throw a Ned rig, man. So that'd be it, man. I, I think I've covered everything from top. Yeah. Yeah. I got nothing. Else. You, you, man, you've crushed it. You've crushed it. I, uh, you got me fired up. You got me. I told my wife tomorrow was going to be the start of me spending way less money for this this upcoming year, and this was not a great podcast to do to start that off. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go buy about you know 15 mega bass jerk baits, got a bunch of Z-Man Ned Rig trailers, but uh, we'll see. I'm gonna blame it on you if I get in trouble. Uh, That's okay. <laughs> but um, well, man, thank you so much for coming on, you guys. We're gonna slide over. Uh, under our Patreon page and, and just talk about one other jerk bait that kind of really fills a niche um, that Chris was sharing with me. So if y'all want to continue the conversation, head on over to Patreon. But for everyone that's listening here uh, on the podcast platform, thank y'all so much. Thank you so much, Chris, for coming on and, and chatting with us. And uh, and we'll see you on the next episode. Cool. Later. <laughs>